Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod. Joined today by Zach Dosh, and you can find me on Twitter at Zachary Dosh. Greg Steeman, you can find me on Twitter at Greg Steeman. You know, I do that same introduction every time. I always want to mix it up, but then I feel like I'm going to stumble over my words. So it's always easier to just say the same thing. Yeah, we may have to think of something new, but it's also kind of like a safety blanket, you know? I mean, yes. that just yep. means everything started. So yeah, There's no thinking when you just say the same thing. Yeah, it's that's good for us. My, that's one of my strengths. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all in the same boat. One of these times we'll have a fourth person join. That's our thinker. But uh, yeah. so this week, I think a bulk of the episode will be the fact that we've got conference play starting tomorrow. By the time people are listening to this episode, it, the conference play will be right around the corner. Monday and Wednesday this week, and then next week gets to the. Typical Thursday, Saturday schedule with a few other days mixed in. But I want to start with just a few news and notes on the week that just ended, and then we'll go into that preview of the of the conference season after that. My first question on news and notes. So North Dakota State has a slow start against Indiana State. Then I remember tweeting as they were starting to look a little better, if they can come back and win this game, that might mean we're starting to find some rhythm for North Dakota State. They come back and beat Indiana State, and then they go out west to Pacific, a West Coast Conference team, and and beat them pretty handily. It really wasn't in a whole lot of doubt the second half. So my question is, is North Dakota State starting to show that they are that contender that we thought they were, or... Do we just not know yet, given the fact that some of this year has been really rough and and let's we may need to know a little more information before we make that proclamation? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, and Todd, and I'll, I'll just jump in on it and just I, I do think, you know, they, they performed, uh, you know, the last 15 minutes of that Indiana State game was pretty impressive. And I think anybody watching realized, holy smoke, does, does Sam Griesel mean a ton to this team? Yeah. Uh, th- that was an amazing performance, I won't lie. And, and it was interesting because we actually had him lined up to do a player interview after the game. And I, I honestly think the last month or so just hit Sam all at one time. And I think Jeff Kolpak in the, in the forum has, has done some uh, writing on it, and so has WDAY about you know, Sam's kind of revealed some things the, about his situation. It, it was it was a really scary situation for Sam uh, when they went out to, on the Pomona UNLV Arizona trip when, when this whole thing went down, his health issue. And uh, I had a chance to visit with him before the Idaho game, and, and the kid was so in touch with what his situation was. But I think, it, I, I think he was a little overwhelmed after that game. I mean, he put his team... He put his team on his back in the second half of that Indiana State game, and it was impressive. I mean, he was not going to be denied. He elevated the level of his play. He elevated the level of his teammates' play. It was impressive. So to your question, sorry for the long commentary, uh, I I do think NDSU is is starting to realize, you know, that that they can be a a very, very good team. I think Dave Richmond has known that from the beginning of the season. They're navigating injuries a lot like a lot of other teams are. 
Right now you got Malik Harden Hayes, who's a day-to-day thing. Um, uh, Morgan, who is probably more a week-to-week thing. Um, and, uh, and you know, if and when they get healthy, and certainly as to their depth, one of the guys I want to give some credit to for NDSU is, is Bowden Scunbury. Um, everybody saw him as a, as a true scorer coming out of Jamestown High School to North Dakota State. What he's done is he's elevated his level of play on the defensive end, and he's earned the confidence of the coaching staff. He's earned his minutes, and he has made some, some impressive uh, defensive plays, and, and he, the kid plays his tail off. I will give him credit. So to his credit, he's elevating his level of play, you know, and, and, and Rocky Cruiser is, is who Rocky is. Um, you know, Grant Nelson is Grant Nelson. Good gosh. Um, you know, he had, I think, you know, a quiet 18 when Sam took over against Indiana state. And, and if there's a guy that can do 18 points quietly, it's Grant Nelson. He does it in a lot of ways. So I, I do think NDSU is, is emerging. I think they're proving that they are a team that is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the summit league this season. Yeah. There's the emotional side of this, which is, you know, we saw a team, that I think we can all agree on, it, they were a little out of sorts, right? Yeah. For a number of different reasons. And one is just, it just didn't feel right, right? It, didn't, it just didn't feel right with Sam Griesel out there. It didn't look right. It didn't, nothing was just quite right. It was just, they were just sort of off. And, I, you know, NDSU is a team full of leaders. You know, starts with the coaching staff, Rocky Cruiser, Tyree Eady, all those guys, they're, they're all leaders. But it really is becoming apparent that Sam Griesel is the leader amongst those leaders. And he's really kind of the heartbeat of that team um, for for reasons that surpass the box score. And, you know, when somebody goes through that, it can it can be unnerving for anybody. I mean, you're talking about guys that are in the prime physical shape of their lives. And then all of a sudden having a physical ailment when they're in the best shape. of Like, how is that possible? It's like, you know, down is up and up is down. And what, it, you know, makes you question everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully everything was able to get back on track right before the conference season. So, you know, I think you really have to discount everything that we've seen up to this point, because like we had talked about last week, this week was so important for NDSU just to play two games against light competition before this conference season started. They've had a very odd non-conference schedule. I, I think we can all agree on that. And the, it, it went off. It couldn't have been better. Um, they won two games, two good games, one at home, one on the road. Uh, and they did it in two very different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is incredibly important, especially once this conference tournament starts around. You know, you look at the other teams, you know, like Oral Roberts has to play one way. And if they don't play that way, they're probably not going to have success in the conference tournament. And NSU doesn't necessarily need that. First game, you know, Sam Griesel, 25-8-5, right? Monster game. He comes back. Everybody's emotional. Okay, you put that game aside, and then you go on the road all the way to the Pacific, and it's kind of an odd, odd game. Although they controlled it, Sam Griesel two points, yeah. right? <sighs> but guess what? They still won. And the effect yeah. that you see on all this, Rocky Cruiser twenty-four and ten, a pretty smooth twenty-four and ten, I may add. Yeah. Very efficient twenty-four and ten, and a lot of that is because Sam Griesel's out there. And so you have the emotional component of this that he's given his team a lift and he's proven to be the leadership of it. And it's turning out to be sort of a rallying point for this whole team. And then you have the actual technical component where they're so much better when he's on the floor and it goes beyond the box score and they become very difficult to guard. 
and it looks like they're doing a little better job about picking out bad matchups out there. And I'm guessing we'll get into talk about this about the UND game a little later here. Um, but they 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 become a tough team to, to guard. Both both those games last week in the 70s. NDSU oh. gets to 75 points. They're extremely difficult to beat. So number of good things pointing in the right direction for NDSU. And, and I'll just jump in really quick, Todd. Go ahead. I, to be honest with you, I think Sam Griesel is to North Dakota State what Baylor Shireman is to South Dakota State. That's how important those guys are. Yep. That's a great comparison. They do it in much different ways, but their impact is the same. I like Absolutely. that comparison. Yep. Um, I just wanted to say one more thing, Greg. I'm so glad you brought up Bowden Skunberg. As I was watching the last two games with North Dakota State, you know, you you see a guy hustle, get a hustle rebound or a hustle defensive play, and for a second there, I think, well, who was that? Yeah, oh, that's Skunberg. Like it yeah. just it sort of surprised me because you hadn't seen that from him before. And I always love to watch players grow, whether in ways we hope they would or ways we would never expect. And it, he's carving out minutes in a way none of us thought he would carve out minutes. Todd, that. That's a great observation, and, and and I mean that sincerely because I think when he came in, he was he was known as a scorer, yep. and I think he thought that's what he was going to be, and he realized all of a sudden, and early in this season, he kind of ends up maybe behind Andrew Coleman a little bit, and I think he's realized how much energy and effort can impact your team, regardless of what area it's in, the defense, the rebounding, just the maximizing your minutes when you get the opportunity. I've seen a ton of growth in Bowden Skunberg, and he's positively impacting NDSU. Great observation. And, it, you know, the, the thing that I'd, I want to point out about him is, like you said, Greg, he could do whatever he wanted in high school. Like, literally, yeah. he could do whatever he wanted. And sometimes when you can do everything and you get to college, it's hard to pick one or two things to focus on because you're used to doing everything. You're used to literally yeah. doing whatever you want. There's nothing he couldn't do. And then he gets here. And he may not get as much playing time as he initially wanted, even though, I mean, you have to take one of the starters off the floor. And that's kind of, I think, the main problem of the situation. Mm -hmm. And then he gets a year into his career and he sort of takes inventory of the situation. And an immature player would transfer or whatever or do what yes. he does, do, do, do make, make some type of emotional decision. But a mature player takes inventory of the situation, realizes and has the self-awareness to figure out what gets him on the floor. And now his career is on a nice little track. There's going to be a ton of playing time vacated after this year. And he can step into a huge role because he was self-aware and he's going to make some great decisions and he's earning a nice little role here. Yeah, great observations by both of you guys. Couldn't agree more. So next I wanted to go into North Dakota State, one of the, their opponents for this week in, in conference play, North Dakota. There's some news there. Tom Miller, and I'm not sure – all the details, but Tom Miller tweeted out that Brendan Howard had left the team. We've also got Mitchell Suker out for at least a little bit of time with a with a with a leg injury. Caleb Nero, same situation. They they battled pretty well at, at the first half or so with Dixie State, and then it kind of got away from them. Where do you guys think they go from here? I mean, the depth was already kind of an issue. Do, do they look at the younger players and hope they step up, or are there other players that you think might be able to step up? Where do you think North Dakota goes from here? You know, they're I think they're kind of looking on for somewhere to turn. You know, they're playing so hard, and you see 
progress made from game to game. You know, now, you know, the, the one constant actually has been, you know, Paul Bruns, the, the freshman. He's, yeah. he's actually playing fantastic. 21 points against Dixie State. Just really, really consistent, too. And playing efficiently, taking care of the ball, all good stuff. Um, you know, again, it just comes back to those uh, senior guys. Ethan Bonigo and Ben Tupinome. Uh, Igbonigo, um, he's a guy that needs to play with a strong point guard. You know, and if he does that, he'll be all right. He actually knocked down some shots the last game. You know, Ben Tupinome, the, the, the reality of the situation is they're just not getting much out of him right now. And that was never the plan. And they kind of recruited with him being the point guard in mind. And it's just not, it's just not what he is. It's just not working out right now. Um, I think the good news is, though, is the young kids can play. The the four freshmen, uh, or essentially four freshmen, um, they're 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 playing very well. I think Reed Grant is coming into his own as a point guard a little bit. I think he's probably going to get more and more playing time. Uh, Brian Matthews, I think he understands why he's out there, why he's on the floor, and again, he's going to get more and more playing time. You know, uh, uh, Johnny Levias, he was supposed to be out there. That's the one thing. Like, there's. We, we, we talk about Suker's injury. We talk about Nero's injury, but Levias is, was supposed to be a big part of what they did this year. And he hasn't even gotten on the floor this year. Right. And he's a freshman too. Um, technically, cause he played one year of junior college, graduated and transferred here. And it was the, the COVID year. So, I mean, they have these young kids that can play. It's just literally the worst luck you could ever manage, ever imagine happening to a basketball team right now. And, um, you know, the, the good news is, is, they're going to find out who's in their foxhole, right? A line's been drawn in the sand and, you know, um, you know, saw one player probably not be on their line and, um, and, and they're going to learn a lot about themselves here. And so this year's going to be a bit of a process and um, going into the game this week, I, I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, you, you, I don't know guys, they're, they are looking for answers. They are giving players opportunities, um, but no question they're frustrated. Yeah, you make a great point, Zach. You know, on, on a lot of different fronts, to be honest with you. Uh, and I think this is one. Of, this is a situation that a coach like Paul Sazer can fl- flourish in. And the reason I say that is, you end up through no fault of your own with a, you know, with with Nero out, with Mitchell Suker out, relying on some younger guys, and you kind of say turn. You, you have the chance to turn them loose, and they're not. They can go out there and play free and loose. They don't have to look over their shoulder thinking, oh, if I make a mistake, I'm coming out. Their depth is obviously in question right now, but it's the opportunities for guys to go out there and be who they are, to go out there and play and compete at a high level. Um, you talked about it, and I'm, I'm in complete agreement from what I've watched with UND. I don't question their effort. I don't question their effort. I don't question their toughness. Their ability to knock down shots, that's got to improve. That comes with confidence. That comes with camaraderie. That comes with trust. And I think those are those are areas that, you know, these circumstances, though, you know, Coach Sather hasn't had really any, any control over the injuries or a player choosing to leave at an inopportune time, it allows you to say, let's just go see who we are. Let's go find out. Let's go put some guys in some high-pressure situations. Let's go out there with nothing to lose, with no pressure on us, and let's compete like crazy. And let's see what it gets us. At the end of the night, let's look up and see what the scoreboard says. So I think Paul Sather is going to take full advantage of this opportunity and say, you know, hey, I, I only want guys in this locker room who truly want to be here, who truly have each other's back. And when they get on the floor, they're going to compete their tails off so that, you know, at, at, with, with great effort, great energy, so that they've got to come to the bench and then somebody else can come in and pick them up. 
So I think this is an opportunity for Paul Sather, and, and I don't know if there's a coach in the league better equipped to handle it than, than Paul. I would agree. He, he's a program builder. This is, yeah. this is what he does. You know what I mean? This is what he's done on every stop. Um, the most important thing for them, and you can say the same thing for Omaha, and you can say the same thing for um, probably Denver, uh, is that they take they build on this year, they invest all this playing time in these younger guys, and then they carry it forward and then don't take any steps back this offseason and then continue it forward next year. Yeah. Because that's how South Dakota State did it. That's how North Dakota State did it. That's the blueprint. It can be done. They have the young players to do that. They just need to see that carry over this offseason into next year um, and then see where it goes. So, um, the, you know, if, if there's a silver lining to it, it's that they have all these young guys that's, that they're investing a lot of playing time in. Again, as you can say, that's about the other pro- programs too. So. Well, and I have one more. Well, I'll add one thing. Zach, you talked about Coach Sather being a program builder and then and then talked about steps forward. That is the thing that he's just run into trouble with, whether it be for transfers or, or what have you, is being able to build off the season previous. So that the hope is if the young guys play a lot this year, that they'll get a chance to build off of what happens this year. And maybe three years from now, we'll be talking a very different situation. Yeah, I mean, th- this team, how different would this team be with Tyree Iannaccio, Deshaun yeah. Allen Eikens, both those guys back-to-back freshman of the year, and Sabian Sims, right? Yeah. This team would be totally different. Phil Perbracha's situation, I think we can all agree, is a little different. But those three guys, if their heads were screwed on straight, if we're just talking about basketball skills right now, this team would be totally different. Instead, they committed career Hari Kari and transferred out, and now they're basically done. So... That's, they're that's unfortunate a... for everybody in law. Everybody loses in those situations. And I think there's enough, there's enough. And, and I think a lot of these kids were, you know, again, this is another conversation for another day, but you know, these, these kids clearly didn't understand the transfer portal and um, the potential downside of it. And now there's enough body of evidence out there that I think will give a lot more kids pause this off season. I think. Well, that's what I was going to say as I tried to interrupt you. And I apologize for that because those guys that you mentioned, where they went, they're not, they're not, they're not earning a ton of playing time and a ton of opportunity. And I have to believe there's, they're looking back, going, man, what could be right now if I had stayed and made a good decision. Yep. Yeah. All right, one more thing on a new news and notes type thing that I wanted to talk about. I just want to give a quick shout out. We've talked a whole bunch about somebody else stepping up at Oral, Oral Roberts to to give Max Asmus some opportunities. So I want to give a shout out to Francis Latz's stat, stat line. And then I have another stat that I think might be worth discussing with that team. Uh, Latz's against Texas Arlington, 21 points, 11 rebounds, four steals, three blocks. That's the type of thing that when you see that, that and, and you, Kareem Thompson could do some of the same different things at different times. Carlos Jurgens, like they, they've got this ability to make these plays both on the offensive defensive end of the floor. I thought his performance was worth noting just because it, it might get lost in the shuffle a little bit. But as I was looking at his stats, I, I noticed something. And then I, same thing with DeShane Weaver. So the two starting front court players with Oral Roberts, Latsis this season has shot five free throws and Weaver has shot 10. So maybe I'm just old, but I want to ask the question anyways. 
So uh, analytics obviously put a big emphasis on the three-point line. And I think it's safe to say that Oral Roberts, maybe more than any team in the Summit, has bought into that. But the downside to that is your two big men, starting big men, have shot 15 free throws 10 games into the season. So barely over a free throw game from your two traditionally inside players. I don't even know what the question is. Maybe it's just, well, is there, does, do we overthink analytics when it comes to the three point line? If we're never getting the easy ones, you know, I, I, I think that there's a couple things there and, and this, this is a very good thing to talk about because, and, and, and I'm glad you brought this up Todd, because if you didn't, I was going to, because last week we had talked about how we were a little disappointed in Oral Roberts supporting cast here. They answer the bell, right? Weaver yeah. and Lotsus combined for 11 threes. That's big time. You know, yeah. They need 11 threes out of the rest of their team outside of Max Haysmith. They do that. They're fine. But to get back to your question, you know, th- there's a couple things here. It's the, the, the analytics, you know, by themselves don't mean much because you also have to take into account who you, what your personnel is. You know what I mean? Right. If, if they had Kevin O'Banner on the team and Kevin O'Banner has shot 10 free throws at this point, we'd be sounding the alarm bells, right? That's not right. He's better than that. He's good on the block. The issue with this team is they don't have anybody that's good on the block. True. So what do you, I, I don't really want to Weaver banging on the block. I really don't think he's going to have a ton of success there. And you could say, well, you know, sh- should they try to play a more balanced rotation? Should they have recruited other people that can? Should, I mean, I don't know. That's a conversation for another day. That's not who's on the team. And so I, I think they're just, that's just who they are because that's who, what their personnel does best. And so you want to play to the strengths of your team and that's what they do best. So they're going to live and die by that this year. They've made that known. That's, that's who they are. And, and I think the other thing that you're kind of getting at, you know, your mentality, you know, this is the danger with just being a jump shooting team is it can, it can affect you. Like there's more ups and downs with a jump shooting team, right? Your, your highs are a little higher and your lows are a little lower. So you can beat anybody, but you can lose anybody. And that's a problem when you have to win three games in three days, right? It's very rare that you have three good shooting games in a row. And so how do you get that consistency? How do you still get to the free throw line or get two pointers? So it's not just all three pointers. Um, And and that's fine. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure teams are a little jumpy with them and an up fake or two and getting to the front of the rim would probably work. Um, All stuff that coach Mills knows. But yeah, no, it, 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 it does make you, I don't want to say passive. I don't know if it really means playing on your heels, but if you're just kind of hunting jump shots, I can understand how that can lead to being a little passive on, on a, you know, carry over into rebounding a little bit and maybe carrying over into defense a little bit where you're always, you're just not quite aggressive. I, I like, you know, you can tell the teams that press, they go to the rim the hardest, you know, things like that. So I don't know. I mean, Greg's former coach. How do you unpack that? Well, I, I think you make a lot, a lot of great points, Zach. And one of the things they look at is, you know, guys like Weaver, Lotsis, you know, and Oral Roberts is about spreading the floor. Well, I, I think that allows you, I mean, you know, teams are going to aggressively defend the three-point line against ORU. Well, that allows you the ability to shot fake and, and get downhill on them. And that's another way to get to the free throw line. You know, you don't just have to be a post-up team to get to the free throw line. It, you know, you can your action off the ball, getting to the front of the rim, 
and you know, as far as the cutting action and also the, the, the ability to put the ball on the floor and attack the rim and also transition opportunities. Those are all things that contribute to being able to get to the free throw line at times. And, and so it, it, I agree in a way, you know, if I'm Paul Mills, I'm looking at the fact that my two bigs, regardless of whether or not they're comfortable on the perimeter, the fact that they've shot a total of 15 combined free throws for the first 10 games, that that's shocking because the free throw line, and I will go back to my years of coaching, I, I always said, how can we create easy scoring opportunities? There aren't many scoring opportunities outside of uncontested layups that are easier than free throws. The last time I checked, you can't play defense on free throws. And so I think finding a way to get to the line, you know, whether you are a perimeter-based team, whether you are a team that has, you know, uh, um, imposing low-post scoring threats, you still have to find a way to, to say, how do we get easy scoring opportunities? And when free throws are one of the easiest scoring opportunities in the game today, I still think you have to put an emphasis on that and adjust. And so the, I think the fact that they are always going to be very good around the arc allows them the opportunity to really become aggressive at times and, and take advantage of the fact that team, the teams are going to defend them on the arc very aggressively. So I think that's an adjustment that I'm sure Coach Mills and his staff can make. And they've got guys that have the ability to do those things, to be threats as far as a, a shot fake and attack or a shot fake attack and, and kick, you know, to somebody else who's getting the rim. And the, and the last thing I'll say on that is the other way that you get to the free throw line is, is you put an emphasis on getting to the offensive glass. Um, you know, the, the second shot opportunities, the ability to, co- to collect offensive rebounds and, and get in traffic around the basket and draw contact also gives you an opportunity to get to the, get to the free throw line. So I do, I, I'm, I, I appreciate you bringing it up, Todd. I appreciate you expounding on it, Zach. I do think the free throw line is vital for many teams, especially in the postseason. How do you find ways to get there? And I think there are a number of different ways to do it. Well, I mean, to your point, Greg, I mean, you're, you're giving a team a significant advantage if you let them shoot 15 more free throws than you. There's no yes, way around it. Absolutely. I mean, how many games are single point games, you know, single digit games? Um, and so let me jump to the other side of the, the conversation and speak out of both sides of my mouth like usual, right? So if you have a team like Oral Roberts, you are not going to be able to double in the post, right? And so mm-hmm. most college basketball players, even if you're a guard, you should probably be able to score in the post if you're not doubled. If you get two or three bounces, it's extremely hard to guard a college basketball player in the post with two or three bounces. You know, that's, I mean, usually most teams aren't able, or most offensive players don't get two or three bounces, but against a team like Earl Roberts, you probably would. And so there's a tremendous opportunity for somebody to post up and it doesn't have to be a big guy. It can be Kareem Thompson. If he, if he, if, you know, if they, if maybe that's a wrinkle that we eventually see him in the post because he's going to score one-on-one in the post. I don't care who you are. Um, and so like, that's kind of the other side of this too, is there's a tremendous opportunity. Can you imagine if Kevin O'Banner stayed, he'd be just feasting right now. Um, cause nobody would be able to double on him, and they, they're a totally different team. Um, so you, that's a very good trend that you picked out, Todd. And that's going to be something we have to keep watching. If they get a little balance, that means they're open. Their, their outside shots open up even more. Yeah. So I don't know. They, they have to, they have to be able to keep defenses honest. Well, Bo Ryan and Wisconsin made a living out of posting up guards with the swing offense. 
And and we all we always talked about this. Nobody ever coaches their guards to defend. No, they never practice it ever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Bull Ryan made a living. Greg Gard still does. The swing offense is amazing that way. And I will, by the way, Zach, you know this. I was always against the swing. Juno Pintar literally talked me into it. I won't lie <laughs> to you. And and we used it at times, and and uh, we had a, a ton of success with it. Because you do, you, you find a lot of mismatches, and all of a sudden you're bringing post defenders into the defensive area who never practice defending in the post. You know, it, it's it's pretty funny because you know that swing offense. There's a time and a place for it. You know, it really if you is. Have the, if you yeah. have the right personnel, you know, it was it was funny. Like I think I was like my my senior year, like I would be, and it, it, it works because post players know how the ball should be thrown into the post. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's such a un, un uh, like just something that people don't pay attention to most, like just throwing good passes into the post. Both players know how to do it, but it was so funny. I'd be throwing post entries to our point guard who is pretty good at scoring. Yeah. And, and luckily I could shoot, you know, whatever, 40% from three. So it actually worked out kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then, and then cells would come in and stuff like that, but there's a time and a place for it. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting, um, a wrinkle that you know we may see completely agree I, and i'll just throw this in when i look at the length of the lineup that dave richmond can put on the floor and believe me dave richmond should never take advice from me because he's a much better coach than i could ever hope to be but with the length he has can you imagine if they ran the swing and the ability oh. to grant nelson in a rocky cruiser to knock down shots from the perimeter yeah it, it would be it would be a nightmare for people well, if they want if they wanted to run the swing I mean, and, and that's, you know, I, I suppose this is about as good a transition as anything, Todd, if you want to start talking about this week's game, because we could even start with that UND-NDSU game. I know we've been talking those teams quite a bit here, but that's a pretty good transition because that's really the biggest issue that I see in that game. Right. Let, let me hit on one more thing just because I was digging yeah. around, and then we will go to that game. I think that's the best yep. game to go to first. It's the biggest rivalry game of the first week. Uh, Elijah Lufile. I, I just was curious um, about who even could be, because no one's going to be Kevin O'Banner. Nobody's pretending that, but who could even be? And it's not even to say that Coach Mills hasn't used post players. I mean, Emmanuel Nezikwezi, that was the way they played, was inside yeah. out. Yeah. But so I, just because this stat is funny, Lafile has played less than 10, or just barely 10 minutes a game. He has three games in which he had six offensive rebounds. And he has 16 free throws this season, um, which is more than than uh, Weaver and uh, Latsis combined. Yeah. So just an interesting – just trying to figure out who even would be the guy if you wanted to bang down low a little bit, and maybe. But he's also a guy, when I went to the Oklahoma State game, he was in for about 45 seconds, went to the wrong spot on the court, and sat back down. So Yeah. So – it, two things about him. I'm glad they're keep giving him some minutes because they are going to need him in some of these matchups. They are going to need him and he's going to play a role in the conference season. And two, who sets a bigger screen than him? Yeah. He could yeah. set some bone crushing screens. So, you know, he'll have a role. Yeah. And, and, and my guess is at this point in time, it seems like a commitment to style of play by coach yeah. Mill, which, yeah. you know, I mean, how, uh, Hard to argue. The guy took his team to the Sweet 16 last year, and and I know O'Banner's gone, but a lot of the same personnel are back. It seems like a really a commitment to a style of play. We'll see how he does adjust during the conference season. Can he find a way, uh, you know, to, to make him uh, an impactful player 
in summer league play. All right. So on to the North Dakota, North Dakota State game. We we mentioned those first two those teams at the beginning of the podcast. And it really is the biggest rivalry game. Or it, it, and at this point in the season, later in the season, we'll have two teams that are at the top of the standings and maybe even are the biggest rivals. But I think at this point, we want to go to the rivalry games. Two teams that seem to be at different ends of where things are happening. Um, what do you guys think happens this week as those two teams square off? I'll, you know, personally, I, I think the, you know, the, the way NDSU is playing and, and my guess is if you look at Vegas, it's probably going to be NDSU, you know, giving 12 to 15. It, that's just a gut reaction uh, in a rivalry game. Maybe they tighten that up. Um, but I, but what I do think it's is in Fargo, right, Greg? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity for Paul Sather to say, guys, we have nothing to lose. You go out there. Don't even worry about missing shots. Don't even worry. Just go out there and play and compete and battle. And let's let's put the pressure on NDSU to be the favorite, you know, to win on their home floor. Let's go out there and get after them. So I think it's a great opportunity for Paul Sather as, as both NDSU and UND open up their conference season two days after everybody else does. Um, let, let's go out and, and just let it fly. Let's, let's go out and play with great effort, which nobody's questioned their effort. Nobody's questioned their toughness at this point. It's all about execution and efficiency for UND or lack thereof. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity for Paul Sather. And at the same time, it's Dave Richmond saying, listen, you know, uh, we need to back up our, 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 our last three wins. We need to we need to step up and say, listen, you, you've seen you haven't seen anything yet. We have a lot left in the tank. We have a lot, a lot of different ways that we can come at teams and and so I think it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, you know, the disappointing thing, and I, I know I've addressed, I believe I've addressed this on other podcasts, for NDSU, you know, their first three home games with no students on campus are UND, SDSU, and USD. <sighs> I, to, you know, to me, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I don't buy that from a conference standpoint. Isn't there a way that we can, you know, when there are no students on campus, can't we get some of the non-rivalry games out of the way. Can't we make an effort to really do that so that when the rivalries really start happening, the students are on campus and they can engage and they can be there and and, and make their presence felt. Um, That's a personal, you know, comment from my standpoint, but um, that's what I look at. Paul Sater's going to come in there with nothing to lose. Dave Richmond's going to come in there, you know, with the attitude of saying, listen, we need to show, our, our home fans that, that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of who we can be. Yeah. I think there's just a number of bad matchups out there for UND, right? I mean, sort of what, what teams are doing to UND is because their backcourt is small, they're targeting them and UND likes to switch a lot of ball screens. They, mm-hmm. um, and so they'll run a little dummy action, you know, to get the switch they want and then just target that matchup in the post and, then you have Bentu Panom or Ethan Igbonigo switched on a four or five, and it's it's all but over. And so, you know, UND is going to have, or NDSU is going to have a size advantage at every single position, literally every single one. Right. And so, you know, UND's actually been doing a good job battling def- uh, rebounding wise. They haven't been that bad. Offensively, they actually shot about 45% last game. You know, they can, 
they can knock down some shots. They, they can kind of figure some things out offensively. They can kind of more or less manufacture it. Defensively is where they're, it was, was where they're having a huge problem because they're not breaking down. They're not blowing coverages. They're in good position and they just don't have the physical capacity to get a lot of these stops. They just kind of get overwhelmed at times by some of these matchups that they get caught in. And NDSU is one of those teams that is going to catch them in bad matchups over and over again. And my guess is NDSU will probably just live in the paint and UND is going to battle. And, um, but it's just, you, you can't give a team that many shots in the paint without eventually sort of breaking down. And, you know, UND's offense is is getting a little bit better, but it can go through drive spells, and their defense just hasn't been good enough to carry them through those drive spells. So um, with, with NDSU's balance and their size, that's just, I mean, that's the toughest matchup for NDSU, for UND, really. It's just a bad matchup all over the place. Yeah, and Greg, man, do I agree with your point on, especially with NDSU being one of the teams in the conference, usually highest in attendance overall on average, and playing three of the teams that that tend to do pretty well attendance-wise, having those three games while students aren't there is too bad. It it really does, yeah. I mean, especially the UND game, because you should be able to control – when you play your travel partner, you know what I mean? That's the easiest one to control. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. And, and there's enough non rivalry games that can take place over the Christmas and new year break, you know, you know, at, until the second semester starts up for most of the school. So that's one of the things. And that's one of the things to be honest with you, if, and when we get the new commissioner on, let's, let's challenge him on that. Is, yeah. is, that, is that something that's important, you know? So we'll see. Yeah. Well, and I get that you have to have some travel partner play those first three weeks, but nobody can tell. I mean, W Western Illinois and St. Thomas are travel partners, but there's no rivalry there. Right. Yeah. Play that one the first week when there's Denver no on Omaha. Yep. I have yet to see the Denver Omaha Twitter battle. Exactly. Over, <laughs> like, and that's okay. Like nobody's pretending that it has to be, but there are travel partners that it's not a big deal. And right. the, yeah. it keeps, we keep feeling more and more like Kansas City is uh, is not long for the Summit League. So, like, you know, whatever. What, what do we care with who they play the first Play them over Christmas. Play them yeah. home games over Christmas. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, yeah, I do think that I, I'm surprised those things aren't considered, I guess. And I, I fully understand. I mean, it's hard enough to get an eight-team softball tournament scheduled over a weekend. So I yeah. understand it's not easy, but these things are important. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you, Todd. I, I, I love the Summer League office. They've been so good. They've been so good to, to our podcast and, and a right. lot of credit yep. to, to, to you, Todd, because of that. But I, I just, um, you know, th- those are things where you go, you know, until you get in there, you go, well, maybe you don't realize how difficult it is. And if you draw it out of a hat, but I think those are things that should be taken into consideration. And I will say this. And people can say, oh, you're North Dakota, South Dakota based. Don't let an SDSU and USD and NDSU and UND or any combination thereof play when there are no fans around. Those, those are big rivalries. Those are big money-making games for teams. And, and even though the others don't have the, the traditional rivalry, it, it's, not a, it's not a disrespectful or, or a, you know, an, a, an unconcerning approach to it. It's, hey, what is best for our league and what is best for the environment 
and the level of play. And so I think those are things that, that do value some consideration moving forward. Well, I mean, following the money is a good business practice, no matter what you do. Right? <laughs> yeah, just, just make more True. money. Yep. Do things that make you the most money for everybody. Keep everybody happy. Why overthink it? So, but, yeah. uh, you know, so outside of that game, guys, looking at the schedule, I love it. I love this schedule right off the bat. There's yeah. a lot of really interesting matchups. Yeah. Uh, we're going to learn so much this first week. So on Monday, Kansas City goes to South Dakota State. Right, right off the bat, best defensive team versus the best offensive team. How about that? Nice little yep. matchup there, huh, guys? Yep. It, it really is. I, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to call that game tomorrow night. Kansas City's holding people like 27% from the arc. And then SDSU lives on the arc. You know, Shireman, Friedel, Arians. I mean, they got so many guys who can knock it down. SDSU is so good offensively. Kansas City's so good defensively. My only concern in that is, can Kansas City can they score more than 65 points on the road? And but but <laughs> yeah. but it but if there's a more willing team defensively to give up points than SDSU, I've yet to see it in the Summit League. And so I think that's going to be interesting. Great great observation, Zach. I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. The other matchup, I I do think, and I've said this about USD, and this is so so weird. I think they're a legitimate solid top half team in the summit league. I don't know how high they can get, but ORU comes in there to open up the season. I think that's a really intriguing matchup. I think coach Lee hangs his hat on on the defensive side and, and ORU comes in there trying to establish, Hey, we can do this without O'Banner. I think there's a lot to prove tomorrow night down in Vermillion as well. I mean, there's something to be said for consistency, right? And coaches are chasing consistency. They preach consistency. But for some reason, a lot of fans and even sometimes us sort of dismiss it as not interesting, right? Sometimes it's good to be not interesting because you know what you're going to get. And then that way you know how to game plan. If you don't really know what you're going to get, you can't really game plan. Mm -hmm. And so you have probably the most up and down team in Oral Roberts versus the most consistent team, right? So first game, best defense, best offense. Now you have most consistent versus Probably least consistent, I would say. Yeah. Uh, again, just a total battle of styles. Total battle of styles. Just a tug of war over that tempo of the game. Just it really interesting, really interesting game. How about that? Monday night. I like that. I so, like games on Monday night. Yeah. Do you guys want to hear something else interesting? St. Thomas, who at the beginning of the year was consensus bottom of the summit, on the road, and I get how, how Omaha has played this year, on the road, St. Thomas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. If we had said that at the beginning of the year, people would have stopped listening to us. And look, yeah. look where we are. So Yes. I thought the same thing when I saw that matchup. I'm going, this is going to be a really fun game to see how it turns out. Yeah. I mean, St. Thomas has proven they can compete. I mean, they've got five Division One wins. I know the net rankings aren't great, things like that. But they have proven they're a difficult team to guard. You better prepare for them. They, they throw different defensive matchups at you. I think it's going to be extremely intriguing. Do you know if Bjorklund's going to be available for him? It doesn't seem like it. I have not gotten definitive word, but it seems like he's he's still got some time. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on here, Greg. Let's talk about these net rankings. You know, as, yes. as our resident St. Thomas fanboy, 
Oh, I know. You can listen to you sing. <laughs> let, let, let me dig into this a little bit here. I you, got this, the amount of sweatshirts such Zach has. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all, all my T-shirts with unmentionable things about St. Thomas on them. Um, well, yeah, they don't say so, good things, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how about this stat for St. Thomas? Looking over things, I like looking at net rankings. I look at, I like looking at Ken Palm rankings. Net rankings um, is, is like your win and loss, you know, how you fare versus win and loss. Ken Palm is really kind of how you're playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I like kind of looking at the two of them. Guess what the order of the Summit League goes for net rankings? Speaking please, of St. Thomas here. Please share. Okay. Western Illinois, they're at 96 right now. South Dakota State, they're at 104. And coming in at third in the conference, St. Thomas at 208 <laughs> net ranking. St. Thomas is 208 net ranking. Ken Palm, they're 293. But they're the third-rated team according to the net rankings in the summer league. How about that? One ahead of Oral Roberts. Uh, NDSU is about 14 behind them. That is something. So, I mean, it, we probably, we probably shouldn't be shocked that they're going to be a favorite at, at, uh, in Omaha, but it, it's what, what's interesting is Omaha is playing better. Omaha is rated ahead of UND in Ken Palm. And what that means, again, like, again, Ken Palm is more about how you're playing. Omaha has been playing better and better and better. It hasn't been translating to wins yet. They played in the last couple teams tough. They played UNLV tough, for example. They're playing better. Yeah. That's going to be a competitive game. That's going to be a competitive game, man. I mean, both those teams are just licking their chops. I mean, St. Thomas wants to make their mark. Omaha sees a winnable game. Again, just a fantastic matchup. I love that this, this schedule is unbelievable. I mean, it's just it, perfect it, outside it, of the it, UNDA and DSU game, but it, well, no, but it is it, in contrast of styles, you know, yeah. St. Thomas, you know, wants to, wants to manage the tempo. Omaha wants to get out and go. Uh, abs- I couldn't agree more. And, and let's not, you know, let's not bury the lead in all this. This is conference play. I don't care what you've done to this point. I don't care who you've played. This is conference play. And it just, it, everything steps up from an intensity standpoint, from an importance standpoint. I, I, I love when conference play kicks off. I'm just so lucky I get to be a part of it this week. And the and the Western Illinois at Denver game probably would normally be a footnote. Yeah. Other than the fact that don't look now, Denver is playing better. Yep. And for the first time in a couple of years, they don't look like they're in a death march when they're playing a basketball game. And the game's at Denver. Like, yeah. that's the biggest part of this. Western Illinois has been playing well. And if this game wasn't at Denver, it would probably be a footnote. But the fact that this is at Denver, we're going to see how big of an impact that actually is now that Denver is respectable. You know, before, now that they we couldn't, we could, yeah, we couldn't really see if Denver was a, a big impact, the fact that it was in Denver and al- altitude travel and all that stuff. But now we kind of do because they're a much more fair uh, opponent. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Western Illinois makes it through both those games. And on paper, they should. They, they've got Denver and then Omaha on Wednesday. And I just think something happens in one of those. And maybe it's a wake-up call. Because I, 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 the article I post today, I have Western Illinois finishing second in the conference in, in my new predictions. So it's not an anti-Western Illinois thing. I just think 
they're, they, they've been riding high, and, and maybe it is that game in Denver. You get to Denver and you come out flat. But it's not a guarantee to go on the road in the Summit League. And, Greg, you made a great point. The season starts over. So yeah, it, does. it doesn't matter that Omaha hasn't beat a Division One opponent. It, 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 it all starts over now. And so it, it'll be interesting to watch Western go on the road against two teams considered at the bottom of the conference with Western now, I think fairly considered towards the top that most of us expect them, but we've seen teams at the top lose games on the road. They shouldn't in the past. Well, and that's where Western Illinois and Rob Jeter, this is a great opportunity. If you're Rob Jeter right now, preparing for this week, you're going to listen. If we want to be, if we want to be considered, you know, a contender, these are the road games we have to win, and we better be locked in. We better be ready to compete. We better be ready to play. And I think that's a great challenge for Western Illinois. Hey, listen, are you for real, or are we still going to have question marks about Western Illinois? What a great opportunity to go on the road against two teams. And, and Zach, you talked about it. Denver is certainly playing better. And, and Todd, you mentioned you talked about Omaha continuing to play better without results they want. But if you're Rob Jeter, you're saying, listen, if we want to be considered a team that should be feared in this league. This is a great opportunity on this road trip to prove that we should be. And then, uh, you know, going on to Wednesday here, then we of course have St. Thomas at Denver, uh, very similar styles. And, uh, it's going to be fun to watch them play. You know, this is where so many, so many things that we just take for granted, all of a sudden start to come into play here for St. Thomas, right? They're normally driving, 25 minutes to Hamlin and then, and then 10 minutes to McAllister and that's their road trips, right? Going to Omaha, spending over, spending the night, getting done, getting on a bus, getting on a plane, driving to Denver and then playing a second game. This is uncharted territory for all these players and coaches. Do they have the routine figured out? Do they have all the logistics figured out? I'm sure they have a good director of basketball operations because they're going to need it. All these little things, it's going to be fun to watch St. Thomas this year. But on the court, it should be a very, you know, two very similar styles. You know, two five-out styles. And um, yeah. let's see who can uh, pick and pop the best because these, these teams love it. I agree. And, and it's going to be a great challenge for Coach Tower, who has proven to be a great coach at the Division Three level. And to be honest with you, I don't know that there's a coach that would have handled the transition that they've made to this point better than he has. So, um what, yeah, it's, it, it's so good. I We always get fired up about starting this podcast, and then when we get to the conference season, it's no different than the teams themselves. I just think we take the energy to a new level, and I can't wait. Well, and so we get to focus on these games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you when you have the 10 teams playing 10 other teams, it's kind of hard to really yeah focus and get carried away about anything. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like when we're watching the non-conference, it's just like, I don't know anything about these guys. Right? <laughs> yeah. I keep watching them and I don't really learn much. Now we actually do. Well, and with all our excitement, we have not mentioned the most entertaining game of the week. Yes. So Oral Roberts goes to South Dakota state in what should be a fantastic display of offensive basketball. What do you guys I th- hope it's I hope it's 105 to 104. <laughs> right. Yeah. It I, I agree with you. And and you know, as a as a former coach that really loved defense, 
I, I might change offensive basketball to offensive basketball, but no, it's going to be, it, it. I think you hit the nail on the head. These two teams could go blow for blow and, and it could be an amazingly entertaining game. Uh, it's one of those where you go is defense optional. And if Eric Henderson ever, ever suffers himself enough to listen to our podcast and hears me say <laughs> that, 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 Oh, defense might be optional in this game. He might take it personally, but, but South Dakota state hasn't shown that, the defense is the primary aspect of their focus. And, and the same thing with ORU. Couldn't agree with you guys more. That that could be a must-see game uh, this week to, to as, as far as the second conference game for both of those teams. Well, and maybe not a traditional rivalry, but it's developing into one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and these are two of the two teams that, obviously last year, the, the, the regular season champion and the tournament champion, but – even before that, with O'Banner and Acemas, like two of the best teams in the conference. So it's yeah. it's really is a good test for both of them right off the bat. It, it is. Yeah. And let's not forget, I mean, I mean, everybody looks for a cause to motivate their guys. Everybody looks for a cause. By the way, ORU was in the Sweet 16 last year. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, we, we, we shouldn't need much more of a cause to get our guys motivated and say, listen, this is a sweet 16 we're competing against. We better be ready to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what if Oral Roberts goes in there and wins that game? Yeah. I mean, think of, think of the implications of that. I mean, South Dakota state, they don't, they don't necessarily have the personnel to guard Max Asmus particularly well. You know, I mean, it's, it's reasonably to believe that, you know, Oral Roberts is going to play well. Um, I don't think either of these teams, I don't think they're poor defensive teams. They just, they, their, their personnel is better on the offensive end. You know what I mean? Um, but just, just a really, a really fun game. These teams, it's gotta be like a breath of fresh air for both of these teams. Cause both these teams play against teams that just want to just grind the game to a halt. And, you know, right. now both these teams are just like, Hey, you want to run? We want to run. Let's run. <laughs> yeah. And there's multiple guys on the floor in that SDSU um, ORU game that can go for 40. I mean, obviously, Acemas can go for 40 on any given night. Um, Shireman can. Friedel can. So I, I, Wilson can. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of uh, lot of anticipation for that game. And those are the games that, you know, if you're an SDSU fan with no students on campus, if you're an NDSU fan with USD and SDSU coming in the following week, doggone it, the communities better get out there and, and just realize how, how, how cool – these opportunities to watch high-level matchups are and not take them for granted. Well, honestly, the hardest part for me is that I, I want to watch both North Dakota, North Dakota State, and South Dakota State, Oral Roberts, and I, they're not going to stagger the schedule or whatever. And I like when they do that a little bit on Saturdays, but it just it's all at the same time. So it's just going to have to be some of that you're going to have to see from the sidelines. But uh like you get the Midco Sports app and then watch one on your phone and then watch one on the TV and right there you go. I, yep, exactly. Yeah, true. You can split them up. And in fact, yeah, they're both on Midco Sports, so yeah. you can yeah, watch yeah. both at at the same time. So by the, by the way, what I love tonight, guys, is we literally talked before this podcast started. Hey, if we only go 40 minutes, if we only go 40 minutes. <laughs> I think we're right at 70 right now. <laughs> it's just, we, we, 
It's just. Do, do I need to break out my notes? About... I haven't even gotten to my notes yet, guys. Should we, should we start looking at some of the notes we've made? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we are at 56 minutes recorded. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. We, we really thought it was going to be a short one today, um, the, uh, but, but apparently not. Um, and I, maybe we shouldn't have thought so. I mean, that the greatest part about, and Greg, you've mentioned this so many times, but what I think makes college basketball so great is you've got the, at least for those of us that love college basketball, non-conference schedule, it's we finally get to watch basketball. Then when that starts to kind of lose its luster, you've got conference play, which for this conference means everything. Absolutely. And then after that, if that starts to wane a little bit, well, hey, there's this winner-take-all tournament for for four days. Like, it's just college basketball has such a wonderful way of keeping you drawn in. Really does, man. Really does. Yeah, couldn't say it better myself. Yeah. And so, and so what do we got here? The last couple matchups, again, Western Illinois at Omaha. And, you know, how I feel about that one is going to probably change after the games on Monday. Yeah. I mean, what if Omaha gets that game, and what's a what? What if Western Illinois loses their first game? You know, I mean, it that one I I feel like is the most dependent on on Wednesday or on Monday, I should say. What do you what do you guys think about that one? Well, it's a good point. I mean, you just sit there and you go, you know, I I talked earlier about Rob Jeter saying challenging his guys, saying, "Are we a contender or not?" And and if we are, and this road trip is pretty doggone important. We got to find a way to go out and. And, and, and get a win in Denver and then follow it up with a win in Omaha. And, and I don't even care what the results are on Monday. You know, if, if, if Denver gets Western, can you imagine the urgency that Western goes into Omaha? Yeah. If, yep. if Omaha gets beat by St. Thomas, can you imagine their energy level going, we can't go 0-2 at home? I, I just, that's to, to, to back up what you guys just talked about. The, the conference season it matters so much, and and from a preparation standpoint, as a coach, you don't want to, you don't want to base everything on did we win or lose, and if we lost, do we need to come out with a higher energy level? It's, it is, it's it's just, that's what I love about conference basketball, especially this league itself, a one bid league. There's so many factors that go into it, and your positioning, and and your ability to play, and and a win, in early, you know. It, December or late December or early January can make all the difference in the world Yeah, or a loss can. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to see how those things all shake out. And, and I don't just to, to build on your point, Greg, I don't want to go too much on the ORU SDSU game, but well, I'll mention it one more time. ORU goes in and into Brookings and wins. Yeah. Like all of a sudden it's remember, this is a sweet 16 team. It's this, it's that, and we talked about South Dakota State, that being their motivation. This team, you know, took your chance and then went to the Sweet 16. And then Coach Mills talked about it when we talked to him on the podcast. Everybody thinks we're going to finish third. We'll show them. Like, that's kind of yeah. their motivation. And so I, the energy in that game and just the North Dakota State-North Dakota game. And, you know, South Dakota-Kansas City is going to be a close one. It might finish 48-47. but. Yeah. It, it'll be just so much fun next week to talk about where these teams really stand against each other, even though in a small sample size. I can't wait yeah, to talk about it. I mean, yeah. that, that Kansas City, South Dakota game, that is the Greg Steeman Memorial. <laughs> Bring your hard hat. Every fan must come in and punch a time card when they're going into that game. They must punch a time card. They must bring a lunch pail. If you don't bring a lunch pail and a hard hat, 
you cannot attend the Kansas City South Dakota game. <laughs> that's that's oh. funny, Zach. I give you credit for that. That I mean, boy, I'll appreciate it. But that boy, you, you couldn't have a bigger style difference <laughs> between the first game of the night, Earl Roberts South Dakota State. Second game, Kansas City South Dakota. Boy, uh, couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Well, with the the Greg Steeman matchup of the week, I think we'll wrap up this week's uh, uh, podcast. Uh, but great, great, another great episode, gentlemen. I'm excited to talk about next week, knowing where a few teams are at, and I'm sure we'll be texting and and with my with the group on Twitter, we'll be all sorts of discussing these games this week. And uh, yeah, look forward to next week. Yep. As always, like and subscribe to the podcast. That helps other people find that. And, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be tweeting out and interacting plenty on Twitter. So looking forward to a, a good weekend or I should say a good Monday, Wednesday before Christmas here. And uh, to give us plenty to ponder over the Christmas break, I think. Absolutely. Lo- love it, guys. Uh, always fun talking with you. And I wish all of our listeners a, a great Merry Christmas and and have have a great time with with friends and family. Absolutely. It's COVID isn't over. It's been a long two years. Enjoy your families. Celebrate Christmas and just be thankful. It's, it's, it's so great to be around our family. So we're happy that everybody gets to do that.